We had talked about uh, a little bit. Now, once again, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is a very popular passage of Scripture. But I wanted to show you something maybe maybe you hadn't seen in it before. Maybe something just a little different this morning. But it kind of uh, attaches and ties in with what we talked about last week. Now, last week we talked about spiritual battle and how we didn't we didn't fight with natural weapons and those kinds of things. But our our warfare was fought in the spirit through the Word of God and prayer and those kinds of things. Amen. And uh, we're going to kind of continue on that. And I'd like to title this one today called "Battle for Our Brethren." Battle for our brethren. That means to fight. For our brethren. And uh, before we start in 1 Corinthians, I just wanted to read this passage because this was the thing that came to my mind to, to give this this title. In the book of Nehemiah, they were going back to uh, restore the, the wall in Jerusalem after it had been broken down and they'd been taken away captive and everything. And Nehemiah was, was going to come back and repair the wall and he'd been given a commission by the king to do so. And uh, when he got there, there was a lot of opposition. And uh, there was a lot of people working against them and didn't want it to happen. And they were actually threatening them. And see, what we don't realize is that was actually a spiritual battle that Nehemiah was facing. He was facing it in the natural. It was manifesting in the natural. But it was being waged in the spirit. And so I just wanted to read these two verses before we begin in 1 Corinthians. So this was, in, in case you wanted to make a note, it was uh, Nehemiah 4 and 13 and 14. It says this. This is Nehemiah speaking. Therefore, I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Amen. Let's pray over this word this morning. Father, we... We have read here out of the book of Nehemiah that the title of this lesson is to battle for our brethren. We see here, Lord, that we need to fight for our families. We need to fight for those uh, that we love and those that we care about. Amen. Lord, uh, here in the book of Nehemiah, it was going to be a natural battle. They were going to have to fight with swords and spears. But Lord, here our battle we learned last week is, is not fought with those things, but it's fought with the word of God and prayer. And we're going to see today that there are things that we can do, that we can fight for our family members and fight for our brethren, those who have been washed in the blood of Jesus, the same as us. So Lord, we ask that you open these scriptures here in 1 Corinthians to us, that we may see this very fact. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Fight for your brethren. Amen. And you're going to wonder maybe why, as we go through, wonder why uh, you, you picked this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 12 to, to talk about fighting for your brethren. Well, you'll see as we build through this and get to the end. Amen. So just bear with us and we'll make this case and we'll prove this point here uh, in the Scriptures. So 1 Corinthians 12, and I'm just going to read verses 1 through 11. These are very uh, popular scriptures, and uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time in those because we've spent a lot of time in the past on about the, uh, the fruit of the uh, gifts of the Spirit, excuse me. So 1 Corinthians 12, uh, beginning in verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, meaning they could not speak, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. 
But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. That's the important part I wanted you to see out of these first 11 verses. Now, like I said, we have done some, some lessons and teachings on the, the gifts of the Spirit. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on each specific gift. I want you to be drawn attention to the last part of verse 11. <clears throat> but one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. It's God's, uh, it's God's doing for the gifts of the Spirit to operate in the church. Now, just to sidetrack just for a moment, I don't believe uh, that, that God has changed his mind on the gifts of the Spirit. We can't find anywhere in the Bible that God says, okay, I'm going to do the gifts for a little while, then we don't need them anymore. I believe the body of Christ needs the gifts of the Spirit, even today. Amen. Now, I believe that things are to be done decently in order and not be making a spectacle like some people have turned it into. But I believe kind of the middle of the road on that. To, yes, they're irrelevant, but we have to be careful and keep ourselves in check and not get outside of what the Lord wants us to actually be doing through the spiritual gifts. Amen. But they're there for a reason. They're there to help us as we journey through this life for Christ. Amen. Amen. So now let's move on to verse 12 and 13. So I just wanted to give you that background. I kept trying to yesterday to, to find a different starting point, but it just kept taking me all the way back to the beginning. So that's why we read the first 11 verses. So now in verses 12 and 13, it says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. And he's beginning to make an allegory now and a, a, a similitude here of how our natural bodies are comprised of different body parts. So also is the body of Christ, which is Jesus Christ, the church. Okay, So that's what he's going to talk about. And I wanted to just show you a few things that are interesting here. Verse 13 says, For one, by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have, been, have all been made to drink into one spirit. If we're born again, it no, does not matter our ethnicity. If we're born again, it doesn't matter what color, creed, or race we are. Doesn't matter male or female. Doesn't matter any of those things. What country we come from. What our background was. Who our parents were. How we were raised. It doesn't matter. If we've been born again by the blood of Jesus Christ, we're all in the same body. Amen. And that's what he's talking about there. We've been made to drink into one spirit. And now the Holy Spirit abides in us. Amen. Amen. I could make a point with this. It says, this is something that came to me this morning. The body of Christ is like our natural bodies. The members of the church, when we meet collectively or even worldwide, the members of Jesus Christ's body, which is the church, are very similar to like how our natural bodies are put together. Lots of different parts, lots of different functions, but the same body. Amen. So it's like our natural bodies. It's comprised of many members with different functions. Yet, here's the key. All the members exist together as one body. Amen. And we're going to see that as we go on through this this morning. Now, verses 14 through 18. Let's read those and I'd like to share something with you. For in fact, 
the body. Now he's speaking of the natural body again. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? In other words, is, would that be true? Just because it said so, does that mean it's not part of the body? No, it couldn't be true. And if the ear should say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? Would that make it true? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Draw your attention to verse 18. God has set the members in this natural body, each of them, in the body just as he pleased. Every part of your natural body is necessary. Now we have parts that man has learned that we can adapt and have some of them removed, but it still doesn't mean it operates the way it should have. I had to have gallbladder surgery about five years ago, and they say that when your gallbladder is removed, your liver kind of takes over that function. But I can tell you for a fact that your body is still not the same. You have to be very careful some of the stuff you eat or you'll have a major problem. Amen. So your body is never the same. It can still function, but there was a need for that gallbladder. There was a function for it. Amen. So that's what he's starting to teach us here. God created our natural bodies by an exact detailed design. Every part of your body is necessary for this body to be called what? Complete. Amen. Amen. Every one of our body parts has a function and a reason for existing because who made it that way? God made it that way. Pure and simple. God made us what we are because that's the way he wanted us to be. I've always thought that it's so interesting. One of the most interesting things is how they tell us that the brain controls electronic waves, right? It, it controls everything else in the body. It even controls the fact that the heart beats. Boom, boom, boom. But the heart has to supply blood to the brain or the brain will die. Isn't that amazing how God made all that to function properly? It's interesting, isn't it? He set it up that way. Amen? Amen. Now let's take a look in verse 19. Remember that now. Verse 18 says, just as he pleased. That's one of the reasons. Let me get a sidetrack one more time. The Lord just brought this to my mind. That's one of the reasons we don't try to change if we were born a male. We don't try to become a female and vice versa. We don't need to mutilate our bodies and do all these things because God made us that way from the womb. If we're born a man, we're a man. And we need to stay one. Amen. Vice versa, same way if we're born female. God has made this body what it is because that's the way he wanted it. Amen. Amen. Verses 19 through 22. <clears throat> and if they were all one member, meaning if all the, if all the <clears throat> body was was just one member, if it was just the hand, you wouldn't have a body, would you? You'd just have a hand. Think of that. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? If, if the foot would swell up and say, I don't need the rest of y'all. I can exist by myself. Then what would you have? Just a foot. The foot can't think. The foot can't see. It can't hear. All the parts of the body are necessary. Amen? 
Verse 20 says, But now indeed there are many members within our natural body that make it up, but it's all one body collectively, right? Amen. And the eye in verse 21, it says, And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. See, the eye can say, What do I need a hand for? I can see just fine. Nor again could the, could the head say to the feet, I have no need of you. The head could say, I can think just fine without a foot. I don't need it. But here's the key. Verse 22 says, No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. The body parts that seem to be more important cannot exist alone. The eye seems more important than the hand, but I ask you this question. What could the eye do without the hand? The eye might be able to see, but it couldn't do anything, could it? It takes the hand to actually do something, right? What would happen if the head were to say, I don't need the foot. What could your head do without a foot to take it somewhere? You see... The things that are sometimes we seem to just cast off as just trivial and little things are absolutely necessary. And he's using this allegory of our natural body to show us this. So the eye seems to be more important than the hand, but what could the, hand, what could the eye do without the hand? Our head seems to be more important than our feet, but where could the head go without the foot? You could think about going somewhere. Right? Your head could say, I think I'm going to go out and eat today after church. But if you don't have a foot to take you to your car, how are you going to get there? It's necessary. Even the things that we don't think much about are necessary for this body. Amen. Verse 23 says this, And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. Now, that can be very confusing, but let me clear this up for you. The word honor and the word modesty in that verse are referring to like a covering or a clothing for a specific body part. That's what he's talking about. We give more attention to it. We want it to have more modesty. We, just, we don't spend a lot of time talking about it. We just cover it up, right? Think about it this way. The word honor and modesty are referring to a covering or clothing of the seemingly less important body parts, such as the hand or the foot. No one spends a lot of time making sure their hands or feet are noticed. You ever thought about that? Now, I think maybe the ladies may spend a little more time on their feet, like to wear the sandals and paint their toenails and on and on, but, but we're having to remember this was written in the day of, uh, of the Bible times when that just wasn't the fact, though it wasn't the case. So we don't spend a whole lot of time prettying up our hand or our feet. We don't give them a whole lot of thought. Especially in this day, right? Back when this was written. <clears throat> we just put our hands in our pockets and put shoes on our feet. Think about that. When was the last time that you saw a commercial on TV wanting to sell you something? And they just showed a picture of the model's hand or their foot. No. They show the model's hair, their head, their eyes, their face. That's what is, draws the attention, right? 
I'm going to see that just in a moment. So no one spends a lot of time making sure their hands and feet are noticed. We just put our hands in our pockets, put our shoes on our feet. We don't give as much attention to these body parts. Therefore, they have more modesty. We just don't spend a lot of time on those, right? Now verse 24. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, meaning this means lacks that modesty. What does it mean by presentable parts? It's a reference to our more important parts, such as our eyes and our heads, back in verse 21. God has made it to where the eyes and the head seem more important, right? It's not wrong for us to notice that our heads and our eyes are a little more important than our feet, okay? But God is trying to get us to see we all have to have each other. None of them can exist by themselves all alone. So God has made that part more honorable because it lacked modesty. It didn't need modesty. It didn't need covered up. And I'll give you a good illustration of that. Everything related to our heads, such as our eyes, our hair, our face, and our smile, doesn't need to be covered. That's why it says it has no need to be covered. We actually give these parts a lot of attention. We want these parts to be noticed. You ever thought about that? How much time do our ladies spend fixing their hair before they go out somewhere and painting their face? They want to make sure that everything in their eyes seems presentable. So we spend a lot of time. There's no modesty there. See, if there was modesty in that, we'd just cover it up and wouldn't have to worry about it. Put a hoodie on, cover our face, and go on. But God has made it to where our faces, our heads are more honorable. Okay? Now look at it this way. We want these parts to be noticed. And this is a good example the Lord showed me this morning. Were we initially attracted to our spouse because of their hands and feet? Or because of their eyes, their hair, their face, their smile, etc.? Before I ever met Michelle, somebody gave me a picture. And I still have that picture in my den at the house. And it's a picture basically from the shoulders up. And I thought, man, I want to talk to her. I was attracted to her head. I liked the way her hair was fixed. I liked her facial features. I liked her smile. I liked that I could tell she had eyes either green or blue. I couldn't tell for sure from the picture. You see what I'm saying? We're not attracted to the, to the parts we give the modesty to. If, if, if I'd have asked for a picture of her and they'd have sent me a picture of her hands or feet, I'd have been like, I don't want to see that. What's she look like? Right? Think about that. It's a good way to illustrate it, isn't it? He did that on purpose. Remember, it says God composed the body that way. He composed the body that way. Now, you could look at somebody's feet. I don't know about their hands and feet and, and whatnot, but there's probably a whole lot of people that have very similar hands and feet. But you can look at someone's face and recognize them, can't you? God made it that way. You can look at them and say, I remember that person from high school. I hadn't seen him for 40 years, but I believe that's them. They've changed a little, but I, I can tell by their face. You don't identify them by their hands and feet, do you? We don't pay no attention, right? So verse 25 and 26. He did this for a reason. God composed the body this way for a reason. That there should be no schism or division in this natural body. But the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. So no matter what body part is concerned, they're all part of one body. It takes all the individual parts to make the body complete. Now I want to give you another example. And this might be funny to you, but 
That's okay. The Lord sometimes can use that to teach us. One of the body parts we don't give any attention to, think about your pinky toe. A lot of people's is actually so, so messed up and curled up under it, you can't even see it if they have their shoes off, right? That old thing, we don't think nothing about it. But if I was to be walking by this barefooted, not paying attention, and catch my pinky toe right there in the middle of my step, my whole body is going to know that the pinky toe's there, isn't it? The brain, the eyes, the ears, everything's going to be like, yow, that hurt, right? And for a few minutes until that quits hurting, every part of this body, this natural body, going to know the pinky toe is here and it's got a problem, right? Amen. Now, see, that's good. I like when we can laugh sometimes. Amen. So no matter what the body part is, God has made some. Some are honorable parts we give a lot of attention to. But some have modesty like that pinky toe. We, who thinks about the pinky toe until it has a problem, right? Amen. Amen. Now look at these next verse, verse 27. Now he starts to show us why he's telling us about this natural body. There's a reason. Verse 27 says, Now you meaning the people who are saved, born again, who have accepted Jesus as their Savior. You are the body of Christ and members individually. You are one person in the kingdom of God. You are one person in the church. But collectively, God sees us all as the body of His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And if He has saved you and brought you into that body, you have a function. You have a purpose in His body. Amen the body of Christ is like our natural bodies. We all have differing functions, but we exist in one body, and that body is Christ. Now, you might be wondering, Rick, I thought we started out that we was going to battle for our brethren. That we was going to fight for our households. We are going to fight for our family that they might be saved and stuff too. We had to take it this way to build it to this point, the way the Lord wants us to see it today. Let's look at verses 28 through 31. And God has appointed these in the church. First, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. After that, miracles. Then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues, and do all interpret, but earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. If I were to ask you right now and give a poll with a piece of paper, or maybe even verbally, at the list I just went through, I'll guarantee you that we would do just what the Apostle Paul was talking about here. We would have, we would have already in our minds settled those best gifts. We'd be like, oh yeah, tell me some of those gifts that he just mentioned. Oh, prophecy. Oh, I remember hearing miracles. I remember hearing healings. And I remember hearing uh, teaching. And I remember hearing all those things. But there's one that we skipped over. And that's the one the Lord wants us to see today. Because even in this, sometimes we skip over one of the most important gifts that we can ever have. Did anybody recognize when I said the gift of helps? We didn't think a whole lot about it, did we? Be honest. I don't either. I've read that for years. Look what it says there. Verse 28. God has appointed these in the church. First, the ones with the most attention. Apostles. Secondly, prophets. Third, teachers. 
After that, miracles, then the gifts of healings. Then after that, most people just skips right on over to the tongues and interpretations. But look what comes right after it said the gift of healings. Helps. Helps is a spiritual gift. What does that mean? Let me, let me explain. Our title of our lesson is Fight for Your Brethren. Fight for your children. Fight for your spouses. Fight for your household, right? One of the greatest spiritual battles that all Christians face is the temptation to give up. I want you to think about that. There's not a Christian alive that has not been tempted with that thought. You don't really believe God's going to, to help you through this or whatever. Just, just give up. And he'll use circumstances to just want you to give up. It's not that you're not going to believe in God anymore. It's just that I'm just not going to go to church anymore. I just don't really see any benefit in it. I, I, I think I'll just give up the whole mess. So then why did God give the gift of helps? Amen. So one of the greatest spiritual battles all Christians face is the temptation to give up. The gift of helps is so often overlooked. And like we just said, we all looked it over just now. All the other gifts mentioned here get all the attention. These are the things that's done out in the open for all to see. If somebody's healing or working miracles or preaching and prophesying and teaching and all that stuff, that's what we give the attention to, right? Those are those parts like in our natural body, like the face. We give a lot of attention to those, right? And that's fine. That's the way God set it up. But we don't want to neglect those things that get covered up and never seen by a lot of people. And that can be the gift of helps. If Elizabeth comes to me today and she says, Dad, I just don't know. I, I just really don't know about my faith. I really don't know if God's really on my side and this, that, and the other. She needs help. I can't go work a miracle and get her to see. She's already seen miracles. She's in a situation, she's in a spiritual battle where she needs somebody to sit down with her and help her. Amen? But the gift of helps is very important. So much teaching has been directed in building ourselves up in the spirit so that we can fight the enemy. There's a whole lot of teaching, preaching, books being written about being the best you that you can be. Building yourself up in the spirit so that you can fight the enemy. Even when we talk about uh, uh, the armor of God, it's always about us. It's always about us. It's always about us. And that's fine. That's what we need, right? But here we overlook this one little gift, helps. That's not about me, is it? The gift of helps is not about me. So now it's telling me that I have a spiritual gift that I may be able to help this lady or this person when they're in a spiritual battle that they can't get anywhere. They need a helper, right? Remember what Nehemiah said? Fight for your brethren. Hallelujah. We must remember that sometimes the Lord will use us to help someone else who's in a spiritual battle. The gift of helps has nothing to do with us but our brethren. Fight for your brethren. Fight for your family. Fight for your children. Pray and seek God. Look into the word of God and claim his promise that he'll save you and your whole household like we talked about a couple weeks ago. The Lord saved you. This means he has placed you in the body of Christ. You are important and you have a function in his body. I want you to know that. You might not be the one up here behind this pulpit. You may not be the one singing. 
You may not be the one performing miracles. You may not be the one writing a book or doing a lot of teachings or being on TV. But if you're born again, you're in Jesus Christ's body for a reason. And one of those could be you might be somebody's helper. Amen. You may not seem as important as the people who get all the attention. You might be one of those that's, well, I'm just that modest Christian. I'm not out here doing a lot of big exploits, but the time will come when maybe your family member, your co-worker, your friend may just come to you one day and say, will you pray for me? I'm battling. I'm struggling. I, I don't, my faith just feels like nothing. I, I'm in a battle. And you might be able to put your arm around them and say, I love you. We'll pray together, right? So you may not be that person getting all the attention, but you've been placed in the body exactly where God wants you. And I just had one little example. It's something I'm familiar with. I, I played football and I, I've watched a lot of it. There's a lot of things has to happen for a football team to be successful. There's a lot of guys has to be on that team with certain special skills, you know, and we always talk about the quarterback and the running back and the receivers. Those guys get a lot of attention, but the linemen, they don't get a lot of attention. And then on defense, you know, most of the time your linebackers get a lot of attention, but the, the, the linemen and the safeties, they don't get as much. And sometimes now the cornerbacks are, are, are very important on a team. But I got to thinking about a good analogy to go along with this. What about the place kicker? He's got a set of skills completely different from anybody else. He doesn't really have to be a good runner. He doesn't have to be able to bench press a lot of weight and all that kind of stuff. But he has a specific skill, and he's on that team just for that one reason, to kick field goals. And a lot of the times the game will go by, and he may never even be used. But when the time comes, that whole team depends on him being able to make a field goal and maybe win a game. Maybe you, as a gift of a help, might be the one that's going to cause somebody else to continue on and walk with Jesus. So that they don't give up and walk away and quit going to church or whatever it may be. You see, God has placed you in the body of Christ, maybe just for that reason. And just because the gift of helps doesn't get a lot of attention and a lot of credit doesn't mean it's not important. I know there's a lot of teaching going on that, well, boy, if you're not doing something big for God, you must not. Something big may be just telling your family, hang in there. Telling your coworker, your friend, hang in there. I'm struggling to, I have my struggles, but we'll struggle together. Amen. So God has placed us in this body for a reason. Maybe we're like that pinky toe. Don't get a whole lot of attention, but just, just when something bad happens, right? But if that's the case, then if God has placed us to be that, we need to operate in that. Amen. So let us be like that. May we be as concerned about helping our brethren with their spiritual battles as we are our own. Like I said, we spend a whole lot of time in Christianity building up ourselves so that we can fight our battle, right? But what about when somebody, my brother in Christ, needs help fighting their battle? Nehemiah said, fight for your brethren. Be strong and courageous and brave. The enemy may be wearing them out with thoughts of doubt and frustration. We've all been there, haven't we? If we'll be honest. Every one of us has had those thoughts of doubt and frustration just bombard our mind. And that's an attack of the enemy. Maybe they're being tempted to just give up. 
You may be the person God will use to help that person. Be like that field goal kicker. He just over there all game long, every little bit, you'll see him practicing just keeping his leg warm. Just keeping his leg warm. Kicking that ball into that net so that his leg is ready to go in case they need to kick a field goal, right? Maybe you're that type of Christian. Keep on coming to church. Hearing the word. Worshiping the Lord. You see, that's keeping just like he's keeping his leg warmed up. It's just keeping you in the game, right? It's just keeping you involved. Then all of a sudden, one day, somebody may come to you. You may get a phone call. Somebody may visit your house. Somebody at work, whatever, may come to you and say, man, I don't know what's going on. I'm in a battle for, for, for my life in the spirit. I don't know what to do. And you'll be ready right then to say, hey, we talked about this at church last week. or We talked about this. or We had a Bible study about this. You see, that's the importance of being prepared and being ready to fight for our brethren. Amen. So you might be the person God will use to help them. It may mean giving them words of instruction. It may seem, when somebody comes to you with a problem and they're in a spiritual battle and, and they're in need of assistance, you may have a, something you could give them instruction. Well, here's what I think you should do. I, I believe the Lord showed me that this is a way for you to solve this problem. You may be giving them instruction. Or it may mean sitting with them and listening. Sometimes I think it's one of the biggest problems within Christianity is we want to try to fix everybody's problems instead of just sitting there and listening with them and listen to what they're going through and understand where they're coming from. Amen? The gift of helps. It's listed along with the others. It's part of the body. Amen? Amen. It may mean sitting and listening. It may mean giving them a Bible verse that's helped you in the past, right? Maybe they're going through something that you've been through and you say, you know, I remember this one verse and it so helped me. And, and you can take and open that verse to them and say, look, you know, I remember going through that same thing and this verse really encouraged me. I'll share it with you. It may be all it needs. Maybe all that person needs. Or it may mean just weeping and crying with them while they hurt. How many times when we were raising our children they have a bad day and they just needed to talk to mom and dad and maybe they just needed to cry on their chest or cry on their shoulder. They didn't need the problem fixed. They just needed somebody to talk to. That's a gift of helps. It's like that pinky toe. We don't think about it a lot. You don't hear that being broadcast on national TV and radio, do you? That somebody helped me continue on in the faith. But it's just as important as all those other gifts. Amen. Whatever the case, let us be ready to fight for our brethren. Amen. Let's pray. Father, as we close this service today, Lord, this has been instructional to us today. We know. Hallelujah. Father, help us all. Lord, we, we all should be able to operate within the gift of helps. I, I believe that every, every Christian should be able to do that. But Lord, we know that some are called to some other things as well. And those are the things that get all the attention. We know that the pastors, the teachers, the prophets, the apostles, the evangelists, we know all those things. They get a lot of the attention. And that's rightfully so. You made it that way. But help us today, Lord, not to neglect those parts that are more modest. Those parts that don't get all the attention. And we saw it here today in your word. That we may need to fight for our brethren and be a gift of a help to them in the spirit. 
Lord, that may mean that we just need to continue on coming to church and learning for ourselves. And there may not be, we may not do big, great exploits. But Lord, when the time comes, we'll be prepared and we'll be ready because we've looked into your word and we've listened and, and paid attention to what was being said. And we'd be able to help our friends and family. So Lord, I pray that for each and every person who hears this message today. Help us not neglect those that have the gift of helps. Lord, we all look around and we see there's been times in our life when we needed somebody to help us. We needed a friend. We needed a person to cry on their shoulder. We needed somebody to listen to us. Help us to be those kinds of people, Lord. That we may expand your kingdom and strengthen your kingdom, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. I pray, God, today uh, that if we uh, have been frustrated because we haven't been used in some mighty way to be encouraged in this today, that, God, you have placed us in your body for this very reason and this very function that we might be just a help to somebody. And it may go a long time in between the times we might help someone. But help us, Lord, to always be ready when we're called upon. We ask this, Lord, today in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for those that have gathered with us. I pray for those that are going to hear by other means through electronic uh, devices. We pray, God, that this message touches their hearts. We pray, Lord, that it opens their minds to see that you have placed us all exactly where you want us to be. And we pray, Lord, that you keep each and every person safe and bring us back to the next appointed time. We pray this, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen and amen.